Talk Money is a production of Lola Media. Say hi, Lola. <coughs> For updates, further breakdowns, and past episodes of this podcast, sign up at thetalkmoney.com. If you enjoy our podcast, help us get the word out. Write a review on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to help us reach more ears. And now you can sign up for our newsletter, where we curate the best money topics of the week from across the internet. It's quick, informative, and most importantly, fun. Sign up at thetalkmoney.com slash newsletter. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Talk Money Weekly, where we talk about current business events paired with our newsletter. I just spent the last 10 days in Pakistan, where I learned a ton of new shit. So in today's episode, we're talking about Pakistan's real estate and car market. Okay, so I recently just got back from Pakistan in literally the last two hours. My sisters and I went to go visit my dad and then just catch up with friends. I grew up in Pakistan, so I I got to Islamabad, Pakistan in 92 or 93 in fourth grade. I went to the international school there, and then I graduated. And I go like every couple of years. I'm trying to now go every two to three years. Every time I go back, I'm a little blown away of the progress. To give you an example of like what I mean by like progress is that it was exciting when we got the first Pizza Hut in Islamabad when I was like in 10th grade. That was a big deal. And like Lahore is like a city that's probably four hours away and it's like one of the bigger cities. When they had a McDonald's, people would drive to Lahore and then bring back McDonald's. Like that's how insane it was to have American fast food. And also they were like really nice. Like the Pizza Hut was like amazing. And you can think back in the 90s when you would go to a Pizza Hut with like the red cups and like double dragon arcade game. And, and, you know, it was like a family affair. And ours was like, imagine walking in and there's like chandeliers and shit. This place was really nice. So now fast forward 20 years later, like you have everything there. And now it's really more about like, you're seeing all these like, restaurants pop up and small businesses pop up and there's more things to do and like there are more foreigners again like and that was just really exciting to see and i got to go and hang out with my buddies like my high school buddies that i've known since i was in ninth grade 10th grade and you know what i'm 36 now so 22 years later and we were just hanging out having drinks and I guess this is like what our parents used to do, which was like talking like gossip what was happening in the country, talk about business and stuff. And I was sitting there and I was just learning what's going on because like I'm now just like the American guy who does like business in the US. Like, oh, it's cool. Yes, I'm involved in like investing in tech companies and investing in different things and all that. You know, as smart as I think I am, I go to Pakistan and I'm like, I'm the dumbest motherfucker here. I'm sitting around my friends and they're like running circles around me talking about all these different markets and like just the way that they can move around this country and understand the wheeling and dealing. It just made me think like I can't hang and I wouldn't be able to hang. I could learn, but I might be a bit soft for this place. Like I can hang in the U.S., but I don't know if I can hang in Pakistan but I really love watching them and hearing the stories and talking about it and being able to like, we could still have like an intelligent conversation about business and stuff. But it was for me more like I was like a fanboy. I was like asking all these questions and I was just like, this is incredible. Like, wait, what does that mean? Like what's happening there? Like, Oh my God, that's insane. Like that was basically my reaction. They kept looking at me like my jaw was always open the entire time. So first of all, let's start off with this insane secondhand car market. I just learned that, 
one of the biggest secondhand car markets is in Pakistan. They import cars and you're paying a 300% tax on cars. So like if you got a Mercedes Benz here, for example, let's say you get like a C-Class or whatever the fuck it is. It's like $50,000, Now, obviously I'm using like an example of a car that's like pretty high end. Over there, imagine paying three times that amount and people are doing it. People will still do it. So, like, when you see a Benz rolling around, you're like, that's not a $60,000 Benz. That's $180,000 Benz. And then, like, so, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Land Cruiser, but, like, a Toyota Land Cruiser is, you know, the big Toyota Jeep. They're pretty cool. In the Middle East, they use it for, like, when on the sand dunes and stuff. Like, they're, like, a badass Jeep. That goes for, like, $500,000 to $600,000 in Pakistan. And a Bentley, <laughs> for reference... I haven't seen one. I think I've seen one Bentley there, let alone have I seen a few in the U.S. It goes for $700,000. So imagine like where your brain's at when you're like, I'm willing to spend this much money on a fucking car. And then you're like, well, why would you invest in a car? Like, you know, who invests in cars here? Yes, there's like classic cars and stuff, but there the market for cars is like insane because it's high taxes and essentially, like, the car dealerships are running this type of, it's a bit of, like, a sketchy scam in the sense of if you ordered a new Honda Civic, you would have to wait seven to eight months to get your car. And the car dealer will offer the person, hey, but if you want it today, you can pay a premium and I'll give you the car today. So they actually have the cars, but they're not willing to give it to people unless they they pay a premium. So people either pay a premium or if you have some cash, you actually buy seven to 10 Honda Civics and then you wait seven months and then you flip it. And so people are like able to make 20 to 30, potentially 50% on those flips. So, you know, it's definitely like this weird thing of inefficient markets. It's a failed attempt to like produce locally as well. And, you know, at the end of the day, in a place like Pakistan, like, yes, there's a lot of amazing things happening, but government doesn't have much control on what's happening. And so therefore, like these inefficient markets get created. Now, the only car that I knew that is actually worth it is because the government is trying to encourage people to buy electronic vehicles. The lowest tax you can get on a car and actually the best deal is on the Audi e-tron, which I got to like ride around in. But because it's electric, there's like barely a premium on it. So and it's actually it's a nicer car. So like if you bought an Audi e-tron, you're getting it for a better deal than you would get like a Honda Civic. And the issue is that a lot of people won't potentially buy that because if they're going long distances, we don't have the infrastructure. Like we don't have like the chargers like on the highways and stuff like that. So people use it as a second car. Anyways, I, I thought it was pretty cool. So that's one thing I learned about. The second thing I learned about was the property prices in Pakistan have gotten kind of, it's gotten nuts to the point where like a buddy of mine invested in a property Pre-COVID, it was about an hour away from Islamabad and like kind of a secluded area by a lake. And, you know, he built a little lake house, you know, probably cost him like 80 grand or something to build. And it's already worth five times the amount of money. And the reason being is that one, obviously cities expand, but property is a place where you have a lot of black money that's been coming in. And by black money, it means like, you know, things done in, uh, in a not-so-approved uh, way. From 
illegal stuff. Um, now I'm not going to like, I don't want to like shit on my own country, but like, let's just assume that every country has this, including it here. There's black money everywhere, folks. It just so happens in Pakistan, you can take the black money and invest in property. But hold on. That's what money laundering is globally. Like that's what's happening all the time. What do you think in the Sopranos they're doing? It's the same shit. It's just a little bit more sophisticated, not to go off on tangent, but like when you hear programs like EB-5, which are like investor visas, and you see like all these like big places being built up in Midtown, New York, and it's like a lot of Chinese money coming in, let's just assume that there's like some fishy stuff happening. But it's just like, it looks, it's like white collar sophistication. Meanwhile, in Pakistan, there's potentially like black money coming in from drugs or whatever it might be in the rural areas. And the government has basically said that, hey, you won't get taxed and we won't question you if you buy property with this money. So they're essentially incentivizing people to buy property. And so either they're buying, they're buying land and then, you know, sometimes they're buying houses on land, but like People are buying plots of land and like they're flipping that. And so the reason why property prices are going insane is because like there's nowhere else to park this money. And so people are buying property and therefore they're not really incentivized to invest in like the stock market. Nobody really cares. Property is where it's at. That's all I kept hearing. Where's the next plot to buy land in, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I thought that was interesting. And I got a stat and I don't know if this is real. And I wanted my friend to, I was going to interview my friend, but we couldn't find a time to get it done. And I'll, and I'll bring him on on a future show. But it's something like 2 million out of 200 million people in Pakistan pay taxes. And it just goes to show that people want to avoid paying taxes. You think it's a problem in the US. It's a global issue. Nobody wants to pay fucking taxes. And so another friend told me, and I keep keep in mind, like, we're all sitting around having some drinks. I don't know if this is like gossip talk or not. I'll take it with a grain of salt, but I'm, there's more money in safety deposit boxes versus in the bank account because people don't want to get taxed. Meaning like if they actually put the money in the bank account, then it's like registered at a bank and everyone can see it as opposed to putting cash in a, in a safety deposit box. It, it immediately gives me an image of, for all those who've seen the movie Casino, Martin Scorsese, like where... Robert De Niro's character and Sherrod Stone go into their like bank and it's like they're putting all their cash in these safety deposit boxes to the point where they can't even fit it back into the drawer thing. And that was just like a mental image I had that was like, that's what's happening right now. So like, yes, things are, it's pretty cool. Like there's a lot of things happening, but at the same time, like, you know, uh, things take time to develop and you, you do need some regulation around stuff. And the reason why you need regulation is who the fuck wants to get taxed 300% like 200% and like wait seven months for a car and like sure property is great like everybody wants to buy property and stuff but like you also want to diversify and be able to in, in, invest elsewhere and I had some discussions with folks that were like look like it's about time like we need some other places to invest our money and so I was actually asked a few times like what do you think about the U.S. stock market? What do you think about venture capital? What do you think about crypto? So I had that conversation with a few friends of mine. And then, and then in generally, like, that's one part of Pakistan. And then there's the innovation side of Pakistan. You have a country of 200 million people. Apparently, from what I learned, like, the youth is actually quite well educated. Yes, there's a lot of illiteracy in, like, non-educated folks as a whole. But now, like, there's an up-and-coming youth that are, like, pretty well-educated and they're interested in like building companies. Like there's this whole movement of entrepreneurship, building companies. And, you know, we've seen that happen in India. We've seen that happen in other parts of Southeast Asia. And my sister, for example, my sister Kulsum started betting on this about 10 years ago. So 
like me, she was two years ahead of me. She was working in the U.S. and she decided to go back and was like, you know, there's 200 million people here. We can build companies here. Like there's enough demand. There's enough people. I'm going to start being a part of this ecosystem and help like mold it. And so she first started, she was like the first accelerator there, similar to like what a YC would be in the U.S. She was doing that in Pakistan. And I remember like a lot of people, including myself, were like, ah, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I don't see it. And then you realize that it's not something that happens overnight. It's something that probably will take two decades from day one to like even get to the point where this is something because you have to think about from the standpoint is not only do you have to like build an ecosystem and build mentorship, you're then creating people who have to like go through several failures before they like actually hit on something well. Then you start bringing other people in who have smart money to invest in. And then you have to actually have successful exits. And then after those successful exits, that money gets reinvested. And then you have all these like founders who made it come back and they reinvest and all those people that were in those companies, they come back. And that's what's essentially what happened with Silicon Valley that started back with chips. Decades and decades and decades of building companies. And then those people build something else and those people build something else. And, and then, you know, it, it goes on and on and on and on. And so, you know, to make a bet like that, she was pretty early. And then, you know, recently she started um, uh, a fund, a VC fund in Pakistan, focused on that. And she runs it with her her business partner. And it's the first female-run VC fund in Pakistan. You know, we're, we're personally invested in her fund. But she was with us there this time. And I, I asked if I could shadow her in a meeting. And it was just pretty cool. We were sitting with the company. And the founders were, like, insanely impressive. Like, two Pakistani guys who would, like, done well and one was in the US you know working at Goldman or something like that and realized that he liked what was happening in Pakistan so they decided to move back start a company and like my sister is there and like she's going to invest in this company and she brought in like these other dudes who have successful businesses in you know food supply chain and all these things like now they want to invest alongside her and I think the coolest part was that they were like, look, we're investing because you're investing in it. And that's like, I was just like listening to them talk. And like, these guys are like seasoned business guys. And it was pretty cool to see like the reputation she had built, not only amongst founders, like founders want her money, but also these other people are like, you know, we want to invest alongside you. And then I even was looking at this company and it was the first time where I was like, I actually really want to invest in this company. And so that was a cool moment. That was a moment where I was like, huh, she saw this like 10 years ago. I'm now seeing this now. And now like even my friends and people amongst me are talking about it. Like I can hear them talk about it and they're interested. And like, I don't even think, like I think some of them get it, but most don't get it. Even in the US, like you hear people think they want to invest in tech and they want to get in early, but like, it's not easy. First of all, you probably, they, one, by the time that money's come into that company, uh, you, you've heard about it way later. You probably wouldn't even hear about the deal. No one's even going to contact you. And also, like, who the fuck are you? And, like, what do you bring to the table? Um, and so that's pretty much a global thing. If you don't bring something to the table, um, you're not getting in. And it's cool to see, like, my sister, who is not only a woman, but, like, someone who, like, went against all the odds when no one believed in this thing. She was just like, she really believed in like what these people could do in the country. So that's my full circle on uh, 10 days in Pakistan and being pretty impressed with it from the point of like, oh, wow, like there's something really amazing happening here. And I'm, I'm very excited to keep visiting and going back. So that's it for this week. I had an amazing trip. I learned a ton and I hope you did as well. Make sure that you sign up for the newsletter at thetalkmoney.com newsletter. 
Until next time.